Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Daily Grind. I am your host, Colin Morgan, and five days a week, I aim to motivate, educate, and inspire you to live the life of your dreams. I interview some of the most successful and inspiring people, along with sharing insight of my own in order for you to not only be successful in what you're doing, but prosper in business and life. The show is for grinders, people who don't just have dreams, but are willing to lay it all on the line and grind for what they want. Welcome everyone to The Daily Grind. So we've got the core thesis. We know that it is possible. Uh, We have the day-to-day behaviors and routines and activities and sort of the stuff we know we should be doing. Um, But then there's this this middle piece of, well, why aren't we doing it? If we all have access to Google and YouTube and can learn pretty much anything, why is the, the rate of improvement in each individual person's lives not accelerating with the the increase in technology joining us today for a second time on the daily grind is the amazing greg clunas before you listen to this episode if you haven't listened to the first one i did with greg be sure to go back and listen to episode 139 i did back with him in may where you're going to learn a lot about who greg is his story what brought him to this point in his life and this episode really builds on that episode so be sure to go back and listen to episode 139 but today on the show we're talking uh, with greg about his new book coming out which all focuses his whole aspect his whole thesis his focuses on the tiny leaps those small behaviors and habits you can start implementing into your life which are going to lead to those bigger goals or those big changes as he calls them so everyone be sure to grab a pen grab a piece of paper sit back and enjoy today's episode with Mr. Greg Clunas. Enjoy. Well, Greg Clunas, welcome back to The Daily Grind. How are you, my man? I'm doing fantastic, man. Really, really pumped to be back. Same here. Everyone, for everyone listening, uh, I had Greg back on the show May 16th. He was episode 139. Be sure that you go and take a listen to that episode to get an idea, more of an idea, on who Greg is, his background, and what led him to today. Um, but for people out there, Greg, who are being first introduced to you, if you wouldn't mind just kind of, uh, sharing a little bit more of who you are and what you do, that'd be great. Yeah. And, um, this is actually good for those of you who maybe, uh, have listened to the first one. Um, this, this will be a little different just because so much has changed Mm -hmm. uh, in the last couple of months. Like it's actually insane how quickly things are happening. Um, so for a little bit of background, uh, I am a podcaster, an entrepreneur, an author now, and uh, a, a overall just a creator, a maker. Um, my big thing in life is I love taking the things that pop into my head and making them into real things that bring value to people. And so that has, over the last few years, uh, turned into my show, which is called Tiny Leaps, Big Changes. It's all about uh, the practical side of personal development, sort of how do we change day-to-day behavior in order to change the results we get long-term. Mm. Uh, that's turned into a, uh, a business I run that helps uh, experts, primarily coaches in the health and wellness space, uh, take their podcasts and get bigger results from it, so more clients, more sales, so on and so forth. 
Um, and that's turned into now a book based on my show, also called Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, uh, which takes sort of a, a slightly different angle to the problem of day-to-day -day behavior change, where we try to explore in the book uh, more so why is there a gap between knowing what we should be doing but not actually doing it. Like what is what is mm -hmm. what are the different factors that cause us to be able to understand exactly what the step-by-step -step process is to achieve whatever our goals are, but still not take action. And that's sort of what the the book tries to tackle. So it's been a wild, wild journey, especially because all of this has been the last three years. No doubt. So for you now, I mean, you're writing this book. Is it when when's it uh, when's this book launch, Greg? So January fifteenth. Nice. There it is, everyone. Um, I'm going to share this. Usually I plug at the end, but for everyone, I'm going to share how to get a hold of this copy January 15th. Um, I'm going to share with you links, etc. Maybe we'll do a little special uh, deal with you here for Daily Grind listeners. But Greg, like... Yeah, and actually on that real quick, um, yeah. if, if you guys are interested, uh, I don't know when this episode's going out, but you can actually get a free chapter of the book uh, by going to tinyleapsbook.com. Uh, tinyleapsbook.com. Super easy to remember. Just enter your name and email and I will send it over to you. It's the first like 45 pages. That's awesome, man. And what was the whole process for you from writing? I guess let's go back to, did you always know that a book was going to come out of this or is this just something <laughs> that came about? It was always in the back of my head. Yeah. Um, I can tell you I was not ready for it when it came though. Okay. Uh, which I guess is always how life works out. Right? Always. Um, <laughs> so when I first started the show, there was always this idea that this concept could translate to a book. And I've always had a dream and, and a goal of having a book. And so those two things were sort of floating around as a potential option. Um, but that that was supposed to happen five, six, seven years in. And as a result, I hadn't even started re really thinking about what the book would cover. Because the one thing I knew was uh, a, a very common sort of podcaster thing to do is almost like repurpose your episodes into your book. Gotcha. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted it to be uh, separate but equal, something that could support each other. But if somebody picked up the book first and then went and listened to the podcast or vice versa, they wouldn't feel like this is just too repetitive. Yeah. Um, and, and so that was the only rule I had for myself, but I hadn't thought of what this would cover yet. And then last um, May, I believe, May 2017, mm -hmm. uh, I get an email from a publisher and the editor at the company, and it's one of the, the uh, top publishers in the US, one of the editors listens to my show. And wow. so just through sort of random chance of uh, them being a fan and the, uh, the, the company looking for new acquisitions and the space that I'm in sort of needing a, a new book for their, their uh, catalog, it all happened to work out. She asked if I wanted to write a book. I'm not the type of person who says no to big opportunities like that. And yeah. so uh, with no idea for a book, I said yes, came up with the pitch a week later, sent that in, and, and they took it. Wow. So what is the essence of this book? When, when the audience and myself, when we read this book, what do you want people to ultimately take away from it? Yeah, so it's ultimately my, my big philosophy around personal development, self-help, so on and so forth, is that it is possible to change your life, but it takes a whole lot of work. 
Yeah. And there's a lot of just foundation building that needs to happen that that isn't as sexy and, and doesn't necessarily leave you feeling happy every single day, but it's required. Um, and so what I focused pretty heavily on the, with the podcast was this question of, okay, so starting from that thesis, if we know that that is true, what then do we need to focus on on a day-to-day basis? What are the actual actions, habits, routines, so on and so forth, yeah. that if implemented, uh, allow us to start moving towards those goals? Um, and, and that's been an interesting thing to explore in the last two and a half years. As I was developing the concept for the book, uh, I started realizing that there was this missing piece of it. So we've got the core thesis. We know that it is possible. Uh, we have the day-to-day behaviors and routines and activities and sort of the stuff we know we should be doing. Um, but then there's this this middle piece of, well, why aren't we doing it? Yeah. If we all have access to Google and YouTube and can learn pretty much anything, why is the the rate of improvement in each individual person's lives not accelerating with the the increase in technology? That doesn't make sense. And and so I I spent some time researching these questions and looking at various uh, psychological issues, economic issues, different experiments that people way smarter than me have run in the past, and really just understand what drives behavior. Um, what is it? What are the things that get people to take any action, whether good or bad? And and starting to get a better understanding of of what those pieces are. So things like how our uh, biases come into to play. And I don't mean like racial or anything like that. I mean, simply what actions are we likely to take when facing pressure? And, and those are the actions that we're biased towards. Um, how does our economic standing or the larger economic, uh, the larger societal uh, economics play into our day-to-day behavior? Mm-hmm. How does the way we were raised play into it? How does uh, neurochemistry and, and the different chemicals that are mixing in our head play into it? Um, and, and as a result of that, how does food and, and the things that we eat play into whether or not we choose to, to take action on something? And there are all these like small little behavioral factors that affect our day-to-day lives much more than we realize because we just aren't able to process it. We aren't able to look at outside of ourselves and our world. And if, if there was a fourth dimensional being that could look down on us, they would yeah. very clearly see all the things going on from all of these different factors, but we can't see that. And and so the the my my concept for the book was if through exploring this we can start to better understand those factors, or at the very least, understand that there are factors outside of just willpower yeah. or just uh, routine or just do it. If we can start to understand that there are external factors then all of a sudden we can start to mitigate them and we can start to plan for them and we can start to to move around them. And that's what my ultimate goal is. It doesn't necessarily matter if you read the book and you walk away pumped up to do something. I actually don't care about that. Yeah. What I care about is do you understand yourself better and do you understand the things that stop you uh, from taking action versus the things that are are a factor when you do take action? And if you can understand that, you will naturally over time start to take more positive action. Yeah, you know what? I love the practicality of that because I think one of the things that I get frustrated with with self-help is, 
you get so fired up, but that's for a period of time, right? It all, yeah. you always go back to how you feel in the moment before you got into that piece of content or watch that video. But I like the idea of better understanding yourself, right? Because you had mentioned everything's there. Like everything you want to know is out there. People are writing books. People have podcasts. You can watch videos. Anything you want to do to improve your life is out there. But it's an interesting question of why aren't people taking those steps? And what I mm -hmm. look at is I just think people want something, but they're not willing to put in the work. It's almost like they're they're comfortable, even though they say they want more. And I agree with that to an extent because okay. I, I think you're right. I think in general, people want to uh, sort of stay in a zone of comfort. Yeah. But the truth is that if that were the only uh, if that were the only thing, humans would never have evolved to the state that we are. We never would have become the dominant species on the planet. Because we would have been born and, and created sort of a, a state of minimum viable comfort, mm -hmm. uh, whatever period of time that was, let's say the agricultural revolution. Um, and then we would have stayed there because we wouldn't have wanted to take any more risks. So then if comfort was the only factor, why then did our ancestors take major risks that then led to in the industrial revolution and, and all of the things that have come since? And why is it that we're still as a species overall pushing forward. Um, one of the things I talk about in the book are is, is that sort of dynamic of humans being both capable of uh, taking major risks and pushing forward and sort of adapting to any changes that might come from it and sort of creating a new norm out of it, uh, while simultaneously wanting to hold on to the things they find comfortable and, and that sort of stay in the, their realm of, of comfort. Um, and it's really quite fascinating. There's no, from what I, I found, there's no hard research on how that is possible, how it is that, that humans can sort of exist in both worlds. Yep. Um, but there are many theories around it. One of them is uh, it's called the vari variability selection uh, thesis, I believe, or theories. Uh, and the, the idea is that if you look throughout history, humans have existed on every single continent, and maybe we haven't thrived, but we've always been able to survive. Yet we have no natural uh, ability to do so there. We don't have fur. We don't have any of the things that would make it possible for us to survive in super, super cold environments as in Northern Europe versus then also being in incredibly hot environments like Australia. Uh, and this is pre-developed, of course. Yep. So if that's the case, if we have nothing that should say we're allowed to exist in either, why is it that we exist in both? Or, or why is it that, uh, pre-development, we existed in both. Um, and, and the idea is that humans are capable of adapting to the world around us by changing the world around us. And so maybe we don't have fur, but we can build huts maybe. Uh, and, and by building those huts, maybe it's not super comfortable, but we ourselves can sort of create a norm around being uncomfortable. Um, and then on the other side of it, there's this uh, this idea that uh, 
we want to, in addition to sort of being capable of adapting to any change and, and sort of creating a new norm out of it, uh, we thrive comfort and safety. And, and that comes largely from our prehistoric roots yeah. where we knew that if we weren't a part of the group, if we weren't in a safe environment, we were likely going to die. And that is, that's not the result you want when your singular goal is to reproduce. And, and as, as a species, that is our singular goal, reproduce and make more of us. Um, and, and so we crave comfort because it sort of brings us back to this environment where comfort was the only thing that guaranteed life and the ability to reproduce. But at the same time, we are able to make any environment comfortable. And so what that means to me and, and the conversation I try to have in the book about it is, okay, so on a day-to-day -day basis in each individual person's life, we are looking for that sort of comfortable environment. But if we can understand, and, and this has to be, this is a hard process because understanding it logically isn't in, in, enough. We yeah. need to take the information and somehow internalize it, make it an emotional understanding. And that is a very long process. Um, but if we can get ourselves to the point that we understand that no matter what changes come from taking risks, we will be able to adapt to it. All of a sudden, the risk is less scary. It's not necessarily about, oh, I should hold on to comfort because we know no matter what it is, we, we will find comfort. And these are, are two factors that are just sort of ingrained in us as a species so it's a it's a tough problem it's something that is definitely challenging and and uh it takes a very long time to get to but to go back to your original point i don't think it it's just that people are comfortable or that they're making a choice to be comfortable it's that there is this ingrained fear of losing that comfort. And if we can start to understand that there's no reason for that fear, then all of a sudden we end up taking more action and doing more things. And that's what's led us to where we are now. Totally. So for people out there who maybe are trying to find that motivation in their life, right? Trying to find, you know, how do I advance for what are some what are some things they can start doing today? Like based on everything you've talked about, everything you've researched, what you do on your show. What are some tactical things people can start doing to maybe start to get a little bit more self-aware so they can start making those changes? Yeah, so my big thing with uh, making any change in your life is that it's about identity. So if you, for example, uh, let's say you've always struggled with uh, managing your finances. So this is a, an issue I had many years ago. Um, you, you've always struggled with managing your finances, keeping debt off, so on and so forth. And this is a big problem for you. It's something that you you have an emotional attachment to, you want to solve, but you, you just struggle with it. Uh, because you've spent your entire life struggling, you have the identity of a person who struggles with their finances. Mm. Um, now, the important thing here is if you want to change that, if you want to take the actions naturally of the type of person who doesn't struggle, then you need to identify as that person. And so how do you do that? Well, the biggest piece of advice I can give is that to change your identity, you simply need to start taking actions of the person who identifies as that thing. So for example, if you are struggling with your finances, you want to identify more as someone who, who doesn't, you need to start taking those actions and it's going to be a struggle in the beginning. But eventually, because you are taking those actions every single time you do it, 
uh, there's this uh, part of our our psychology where we want to both act in accordance with the things we identify as and identify as the things we we do. And and so if you just start taking the actions, no matter how small, as you do it, you start to gain more and more of that identity. And once you gain more and more of the identity, it becomes easier and easier to take the actions. And and so my biggest piece of advice, whatever your goal is, is to look at someone you know or or, or someone in the world that is that and look at the actions they take that are sort of in line with that goal um, and just start to take some of them. And it can be tiny. If you want to be in better shape and uh, that means going to the gym, eating healthy, then it could be as simple as your first action being signing up for a gym membership. And you don't even have to go that first day. But because you've signed up, you now identify more as a person who goes to the gym than you did prior. Yeah, I love this concept because I truly like I think if you stick with fitness, right, I think people who are maybe out of shape and they, they want to get fit, they look at the extreme, right? They look at the guy or girl with the six pack who can run for an hour on the treadmill. And when you look at that, you're like, wow, I'm not even close to that. But I mm-hmm. just like the idea of like sign up for a gym member, do one push up. Like that's my big yeah. thing too, right? Like just do one push up today because all of a sudden tomorrow you're going to want to do one push up again and you're probably going to want to do two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And it's the same idea as, um, there's a, a, a pretty common piece of advice given for people who like struggle with flossing, for example, uh, this idea of like floss one tooth. And it, yeah. it's funny because you floss one tooth or you do one push up, and from your the logical part of your brain, you're thinking, wow, this is stupid. I should just do more. Like, why am I just doing one? Um, or uh, on, from the, the emotional side of your brain, maybe it's a struggle to do that one push up and, and actually get yourself to do it. Or maybe it's a struggle to get yourself to floss. But if every single day you're just required to floss one tooth, that's an easy hump for you to, to overcome. If you're just required to do one push up, that's an easy thing for you to over, overcome. And what that's eventually going to do is each day you're going to do your one push up and you're going to start feeling like the type of person who does push ups. And that logical part of your brain that has been screaming at you saying, hey, this is stupid, just do more. Eventually that's going to take over and you're going to end up doing more. But the important part here is you're doing more partially because you have the identity of that person now. And and that's what's going to get you to show up again and again and to go even further and maybe start an entire uh, routine that's push-up driven or start going to the gym or start doing yoga or whatever it is. Yeah, you know what? Like I looked at this, I think a month ago I had a conversation with a friend about this and what I was talking about, Greg, is how it was funny how when I was in sports, I was super competitive because it was a game, right? Like I could see results and then I could improve upon those results or you had a competitor and you can improve upon getting better. But in life, it's like you have to create that game for yourself. And mm-hmm. that's where doing that one push-up or flossing that one tooth, well, now you have in your head, well, I did one. So I can do one again, or I could actually do two. And it actually gamifies things. That's why I think those, um, uh, what are those watches called? Apple watches that track your oh, heart yeah. rates. Like, I think those are awesome because all of a sudden you have actual data in which you can compare and it almost gamifies things for you. Yeah, a hundred percent. And gamification is interesting because it is 
it's a tool to sort of help you get through that initial hump, right? So if yeah. you're trying to accomplish something and you, you're struggling to do it because you don't identify as that person and so the actions are difficult, well, making it a game in the beginning is an easy way to sort of get over that first piece where it's hard to, to get yourself to do it. And then eventually it becomes a part of you. And so you keep doing it regardless of the game. Yeah, totally. And now, Greg, kind of going back to to the book and maybe speaking a little bit about the, the process, right? Because, I mean, writing a book is a process. What was the most difficult yeah. part of the whole process for you when doing this? Um, so for me, the, the really challenging part here uh, would have been just writing the whole thing uh to be perfectly honest that is that was a struggle um it, it's the largest individual project i've i've ever worked on sort of in one uh chunk of time yeah. um and, and so that was that was definitely challenging but something actually happened uh part way through writing that that sort of overshadowed that a bit um uh, so last october uh, my father passed away and uh he he was the person who sort of, as soon as I got the book deal, asked me about it every single day. Mm. And so whenever I and and there was so much of of sort of my my views on on this entire process that come from him. And so uh, the most challenging part of this book was that every single time I sat down to write it, there was so much of him in it yeah. that I just couldn't. Like I I would write three pages and just burst out crying. Um, and, and so that, that was, I guess, a little bit more of a, a unique, uh, factor than maybe someone else who's writing a book would, would struggle with yeah. unless unfortunately similar things happen. But, um, outside of that, the hardest part to be perfectly honest was just writing it. It, it was such a slog and it was something that as I was doing it, I swore I would never do it again. But now that I'm removed from it, I'm like itching to write the next one. Yeah, definitely. Well, I can, uh. I can definitely see how when reading the book for everyone, you're going to kind of get that feeling um, because whenever you're going through emotions like that, I believe it comes out in the work you do. So um, I'm sure that there's a lot of him in that book and I'm sure a lot of people are going to get that. And now, Greg, way we end the show here, buddy, is I'm going to give you the floor and you have the opportunity to share with our audience today the thought of the day. So a thing or thought that we can all go home with today. So I typically have a go-to here, but since I've already been on the show, I'm 100% positive that I've already <laughs> shared that one. So um, here, here's what I'll leave you guys with. I believe that who we are is made up largely of uh, the things that happened to us throughout our life, the life, the, the people that surrounded us. Um, the experiences we had, the cultures we were a part of. Um, and those are really the only things that, that create differentiation, right? It, yeah. It's, it's sort of second layer stuff. And first layer stuff is just the core of a human being. The second layer stuff is all the societal stuff that gets added on top. And so if we look back, if we, if we drill down to that first layer, the core of a human being, we are largely the same. And what that means is if there is anyone on this planet, regardless of what they look like, what they believe in, what they have, have experienced, 
who has accomplished any end result that you might be interested in, you better believe that it is possible for you. And the reason I say that, like, I'm, I'm really against being motivational or like a self-help guru or anything like that. I just think it's such a practical and logical idea. Like, I, I'm such a, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a very right-brained or left, whichever one's the analytical one, um, approach to this kind of thing because it just makes sense. Like, I, I don't believe in the woo-woo side of it. I don't believe in, in so many things. But if every single human at our core is the same species, if you look at our DNA, we are so similar. If that is the case, regardless of all the second layer stuff, whatever has been done can be done by any person given the right set of actions, given the right set of opportunities, given X, Y, Z. There's all the second layer stuff that might get in the way, but that has nothing to do with you. The second layer stuff is the stuff that just sort of happens or doesn't happen. The core of it, the first layer, that's you deciding to get up and do it. That's it. And if you get up and do it, then there's a good chance some of the second layer stuff will uh, show up for you. Some of it won't. But I three years ago, I didn't think I'd have a book. I didn't think I'd have a podcast that's been listened to in 170 countries. I didn't think uh, my podcast would have uh, crossed 5 million downloads. I didn't think I'd be self-employed living in New York City, living out a, a massive dream of mine that I've had since I was 13. None of that was under my control necessarily. All I did was start a podcast. That's it. Yeah. Love that, Greg. What's the best way our audience can reach out, connect with you, and again, get a hold of the first chapter of your new book? So the best place is uh, tinyleapsbook.com. Just go there, enter your name and email. I will send you the free chapter. Uh, And I'll also, depending on when this publishes, I will also email you when the book is available. It is available for pre-order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, wherever you buy books, it's there. Uh, so, so pick it up if you feel like that message might resonate with you. And if you want to talk to me directly, I am always available. So, uh, two things, gregclunas.com. Uh, that's probably the best place to find everything that I'm doing, uh, or find me on Instagram at Greg Clunas and just send me a DM. I typically reply to all of them. So send me a DM and I'm, I'm happy to chat. Amazing. Well, I'm going to share all these links, best ways to connect with Greg on Instagram, um, I'm going to share links on how to follow him and also check out his podcast. If you haven't, I always mention this. It's one of my favorites, tiny leaps, big changes, and also grab a hold of that copy of the free chapter of the book, um, book titled tiny leaps, big changes, everyday strategies to accomplish more, crush your goals and create the life you want. And as you can see from this interview, everyone, success is driven by passion, hunger, and today, small incremental steps or tiny leaps. Everyone has to overcome obstacles. Everyone has a story. Start building yours today. Again, today, we had the chance to, for a second time, speak with the amazing Greg Clunas. Greg, man, thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule and coming on the show here with us today. Dude, thank you for having me. And to those of you listening, uh, thank you for your time and your attention. I, I know that stuff is valuable, so I really appreciate you sharing any portion of it with me. 
amazing. Everyone, if you liked today's episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment, share it with your friends. Until next time, Colin Morgan signing off. And always remember to keep on grinding. Yeah.